I'm Jason. And I'm Scott. Welcome to Skip Down Shuffle, a podcast where we delve into an overlooked song by a popular artist. In today's episode, we're looking at Allison Chains' song, What the Hell Have I, that was featured on the soundtrack to the movie Last Action Hero. Excited to do this episode today because uh, Allison Chains is such a is such a huge band for such a, a very specific point in time. Like you know, um, the '90s rock scene, the '90s grunge scene in particular, um, you know, brought out some of the some of the, the biggest and best bands uh, that uh, that we've seen in any decade. You know, you've got your Nirvana, you got Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Smashing Pumpkins. You know, like these these bands that like you say their names and people immediately have a connotation with them and uh, Allison Chains I feel like is is right up there with 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 all of them um and uh so it's exciting to sort of delve into you know what makes Allison Chains great and why why that even happened like why why is it that we talk about you know a, a particular time period and a particular sound of music and Allison Chains is like defining that era yeah, there's a lot of I I love Alice in Chains and there's a lot of the the Seattle bands that that you mentioned, um, but there's something that just feels so Seattle about this band, like just dark, rainy, just really heavy stuff that um, I think you know a lot of the times when you're like, what was the you know biggest Seattle band? You know, it's Nirvana. They weren't the biggest. They weren't you know the the most commercially successful but for for me they're like really one of the defining bands of like that whole era and that whole movement um that was happening even though you know they they didn't reach the heights of um you know what Pearl Jam did for instance but um I don't know there's just something that feels so in in the moment as you mentioned about that like late 80s early 90s rock scene that was going on and i think a lot of the staying power of alice and janes um not only that they were able to you know lose their lead singer and pick up and and move on um but it's also the the songwriting and the the depth of talent that they have um and just the the diversity uh, of their songs where here's a band that's like a, on, on the one hand a heavy metal band and then on the other hand they're writing like this you know folky acoustic tune and and being very successful at both and and i think it's that kind of split personality of the band that really drew me to them where it's like if you want to rock out you know you can throw on you know the album dirt if you want to like calm down a little bit and have a you know more more mellow listening experience you can throw on like jar of flies All right, so I won't get too much into 
what was going on because the Seattle music scene, it was like everyone was playing and everybody's band and, <laughs> and there's bands forming and dissolving and someone goes to play for this person's band and then someone comes into this band. Um, so to just kind of simplify it, um, Jerry Cantrell, who's the guitarist, vocalist, main songwriter in Alice in Chains, uh, meets singer Lane Staley at a party in, this is in Seattle in um, 1987. So they're basically, they, they meet, they've seen each other play. Um, Cantrell really likes Staley as a singer, um, but he's in, you know, Staley singing in this other band and Cantrell's in other bands. Um, so it takes a while for them to come together. Um, so one of the things that ends up happening is uh, Cantrell ends up um, getting thrown out of his house, basically. Um, and Staley invites him to, to come live with him um, at this kind of a warehouse studio space party house i'm not quite sure it's called music bank which ends up being the the title of uh their box set that would eventually um they'd come out with so they're they're living together in this space um but they're still playing in separate bands and staley's actually in the alice in chains band <laughs> um it's not in chains it's like the guns and roses kind, kind of deal so staley's in this band um alice and chains um, leaves that band, uh, joins another band, Cantrell's band ends up breaking up, and suddenly uh, Jerry's trying to put together a new band. Um, so he ends up, it was one of those things where it's like the drummer is dating, you know, who would eventually be the bass player's sister, you know, kind of deal where it's like, Hey, I know this guy and you know, he plays bass. And, um, so Cantrell gets together with drummer Sean Kinney and Sean Kinney is dating Mike Starr's sister and Mike Starr is a bass player. And that's how he joins the band. So you have Jerry Cantrell on guitar, uh, Sean Kinney on drums and Mike Starr on bass. So they have their band and Cantrell still wants Staley to join their band. So they make this agreement where um, Staley's band needs a guitar player and they want a singer. So Cantrell's like, okay, well, I'll play in your band if you come sing in mine. <laughs> um, so they end up doing that and you eventually have the, the formation of um, Alice in Chains. Um, so there's, there's some other, you know, name changes, things going on, but eventually, you know, that's, that's Alice in Chains. Um, so they get together, they put together some, um, demo recordings, um, and Columbia records is very interested in them. So they get in the studio in late 1989, um, into recording into 1990. And later that year, they come out with their debut album facelift. Uh, which features one of the most well-known Alice in Chains songs, Man in the Box. So right off the bat, it's a hit. This band is, you know, big already. Um, so they start touring. 
Um, they really do try to highlight their live stuff. They come out with this live EP and a live video release of like five songs. They're making music videos. Um, so the band is well on its way. Um, so they get back in the studio and what they end up doing is they had just expected to record some demos for a follow-up record. Um, what they end up doing is, uh, they recorded a couple of acoustic tracks and they came out with this EP called Sap. And this has a couple of, um, what would again come to be like well-known Alice in Chains songs, um, songs like Brother and Got Me Wrong. So it's interesting that this band is already displaying these two wildly different sides because Facelift is, as you heard on Man of the Box, it's a, you know, this is a rock and roll band. This is like kind of a, a borderline metal band. Um, and then on the other hand, they, you know, come out with this EP that has these really soft acoustic tracks. Um, so they're already displaying this kind of really dynamic sound that they can have. And that's, that's, that's pretty weird. I mean, especially from like, from like a music, uh, from like a music business standpoint, you know, like a band's early release, the last thing you want to do is confuse the mass populace and be like, Oh, like, here's this band. This is what they sound like. And then, Oh, they also sound like this. Like that's, that's like a marketing nightmare, but you know, I, it just stands to it. That's like the strength of of the tracks on sap that were just i mean they were just so good i'm sure every music you know business guy was like well this is dramatically different than what you guys have done but you know and what at least and it explains a lot of the alice and chain story which is like as soon as they were done recording something the label was eager to just yeah, like, like push like, it out the door get it out there so in 1992 alice and chains start recording for their uh full follow-up record uh which ends up being dirt and it's hard to, to state just how massive this album is. They have like half a dozen singles from it. Um, this is where songs like Them Bones, Wood, uh, Down in a Hole, and um, what would be one of their, again, one of their most well-known tracks, Rooster. Dirt is a dark album with a lot of just dark themes. At the time, the band was already kind of getting into like heavy drugs, uh, a lot of drinking. So there's a lot of chaos that's kind of happening behind the scenes of this band. And it's a band that, despite keeping these things private, like it's not like they'd, you know, show up on stage, be like, you know, shooting up on stage or anything, but it's like people know this is going on. And a lot of that is due to the fact that the band basically just talks about it as candidly and frankly as possible in their music. So it comes out in these songs. So you have a song called Junkhead, for instance, uh, where Lane Staley sings pretty unabashedly about, you know, I go out and I buy drugs and I do drugs and that's my business. I think one of the things that's important to mention is it doesn't really glorify that drug use. I mean, this is a band that's writing songs that are 
incredibly self-aware about how destructive what they're doing um, is being to, to both themselves, their relationships with other people and detrimental to the success of the band. Um, so even though they're, they're putting these songs out and writing about these things, um, they're, they're very aware of the consequences of um, what they're doing. But I think it's one of the things that makes Alice in Chains such a unique band. They're not like trying to be like real badass about it um, or anything. They're, they're speaking from a, a place of just honesty to to themselves and to the people around them and i'm sure some of these songs um especially on, on dirt or in, and later later tracks are probably written to specific people or about specific situations so if you're in that circle you might you know realize like oh someone's talking to me um and this is also a band that's kind of talking to each other so dirt goes off it's super successful you know millions of copies sold the the band is like hitting this this stride where you know their their first album's a hit they release this acoustic EP that's that's doing well they release this album it's huge um and then they end up recording uh the song that we're going to talk about today what the hell have i um and another song a little bitter for a soundtrack release so it's around this period of time that some of Allison Chains is kind of coming apart um, so they have their bass player, Mike Starr, leaves the band. Um, so Mike Starr says he leaves for personal reasons. He wants to spend more time with his family. Um, later on, he kind of admitted it, it was, you know, the drugs and, you know, I, I had to go. And um, he ends up meeting a tragic end later on. Um, but he's he's out of the band permanently. Mike Inez joins the band. Um, he had played with a, a lot of other rock bands. I think he played with like Ozzy Osbourne and and other kind of metal acts. So he he fit in 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 the mold of this band. So with this newly formed Allison Chains that that switch there. Um, they record these two songs, "What the Hell Have I" and "A Little Bitter" for the last Action Hero soundtrack. So a lot of the time when we do our skipped on shuffle, we try to stick to, to album tracks that we feel like have been missed out on. Um, but I feel like this this song is too good. And it's kind of interesting to think about other songs that uh, bands record, especially here's a band kind of at the peak of their songwriting prowess and and commercial popularity kind of coming out with these songs that end up on a soundtrack to a movie that was wasn't a terrible flop but didn't do so well so they they you know gave these two songs to that soundtrack i think you know it, it was probably cool for them to be you know alongside an, an album that featured like acdc and aerosmith and other bands that you know they revered but these songs uh, uh i mean the what the hell of i was did chart um, you know, a little bit better than some of their other songs. They did a music video for it, but I feel like it just kind of gets lost in the history of uh, some of the other bigger things that are going on with this band. And a lot of that was due to the next um, EP they released, which was called Jar of Flies. And Jar of Flies has um, Nutshell, I Stay Away, and um, probably one of their most popular songs, No Excuses. It's all So 
So again, they're getting back into their more acoustic side of things. Um, this EP comes out in 1994, and uh, suddenly the band uh, reaches kind of the end of their live run. Um, things in the band are so bad that they can't go out on tour. Um, and they want to keep all of this kind of private because they feel like if we try to embark on a big tour, what's going to happen is basically everything's going to fall apart in the middle of the tour and everyone's going to know like this, you know, band is a mess and we're done. Um, so despite the fact that Alice in Chains are so forward about um, drug use and, and personal things they're going through, I mean, you can hear it in basically any Alice in Chains song that you listen to. Um, they did want to keep some of this stuff private, so they felt like the best way to do that is just we we just won't do anything. So they were supposed to play at the um, 25th anniversary of Woodstock, Woodstock 94. They end up pulling out of that, um, pulling out of some other tours, and they essentially um, are, are no longer a, a live act. In 1995, they released their self-titled album, so this album has uh, another slew of hit songs like Grind, Over Now, and Heaven Beside You. isn't able to really get themselves together enough to tour behind it um so they do a couple of smaller promotional things the following year um the biggest one being they record an unplugged album um that was live that lane staley ended up coming out for lane staley at this point is kind of the 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 biggest problem in the band he's heavily addicted to heroin um his just his appearance he even at the the unplugged he's very thin um he looks as though he started losing his teeth um so you know when you think about how important your front man is for for a band not only being like a healthy person but also you know it's almost painful to to see someone in that kind of state um but they managed to to do this album the unplugged uh television special and album which, um, which which were hits in their own right yep. which, which 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 i feel like they proved that the band was still able to do it like they could still pull together and maybe only for one show yeah but 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 still like they still had it like it was pretty incredible that that whole album was was not only musically successful but commercially successful as well like i feel like a lot of their acoustic songs were you know became hits again, you know, like just in their acoustic style. And I mean, and even digging into like the songs that you'd never expect yeah. them to, to do acoustically. Um, so that album comes out, they tried, they try to do some live stuff. They do a couple, you know, TV appearances, you know, late show with David Letterman kind of deal. Um, and then they try to do four live shows opening up for kiss. Um, and after they get through the fourth show, um, this is in July of 1996. That's the last time Lane Staley plays live with the band. Um, following that show, he has a drug overdose and gets carted off to the hospital. And it becomes clear that this band can't, it, at least in terms of a live sense, can't get it together enough to, to play live. 
Um, so the band starts going in, um, is, is essentially put on hiatus. I don't think they ever officially break up. Um, a few years go by, Cantrell releases a solo album, um, and then he tries to get Lane Staley back into the fold um, to record two new songs as they're putting together a retrospective box set. Um, so that's that's Music Bank, named for you know the the warehouse recording space where where Staley and Cantrell had um, met and lived together. Um, so you, you very much get the sense when they're putting this box set together that they realize this is kind of the end of the band. Um, and there's a lot of they they recorded two new songs. Um, and they're, they're, if you look through like interviews and stuff at the time, Cantrell just talks about what a chore that was just trying to get Staley into the recording studio and also his failing health at the time from, from heroin addiction still. They record two new songs, uh, Died and Get Born Again. They have a collection of uh, demos and live tracks and unreleased tracks, and it's pretty clear that this is kind of it for the band. Um, But what's interesting about this is What the Hell Have I pops up again um, in a remixed version, not remixed in the way that we normally think of, like remix. hearing a remix. Where, yeah, yeah, <laughs> where, where everything's all like changed around. Cantrell uh, wanted to get "What the Hell Have I" right, and at the time they had recorded it, uh, Cantrell wasn't happy with the way the final product sounded. Um, they worked with a producer, Andy Wallace, um, who wasn't who they 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 had normally worked with or someone they had um, done a lot of stuff with. And Cantrell wanted Toby Wright, who had um, produced some of their other stuff, to come in and make it sound more like he felt like an Allison Chain song should should sound. He felt it sounded a little too like thin and tinny, so he wanted to like you know pump up the bass in these things. Um, so if you listen to the the original track, there's not a, a lot of differences. Um, um, but it just sounds a little bit more full. You can hear kind of the instrumentation a little bit better. So this remix version of What the Hell Have I uh, makes it onto the box set alongside their other super well-known tracks and and other stuff mixed in there. Um, and, and it seems like this is really it for Alice in Chains. Um, after an, another couple of years go by, in 2002, Lane Staley ends up dying. Um you know of an overdose if you ever want to have a really depressing day just read the wikipedia article on lane staley uh it it gets really it gets really depressing at the end i mean you know we we say he died of a drug overdose but um i mean he was living alone in an apartment um no one knew he was dead because he very rarely left the apartment um the only way they found out that he was actually dead was because his accountant noticed that he hadn't withdrawn any money in like days or I think even weeks. Yeah, it had been a couple weeks. Yeah. yeah, and so like there was no money drawn out of the account. So the accountant says, you know, hey, you know, maybe we should send somebody over to check to make sure that he's okay because it's kind of weird that he hasn't withdrawn any cash. And uh, they got there and he was dead and had been dead for a long time and was, you know, alone in a destitute place by himself, you know, uh, just complete shell of the person that he, that he once was. You know, he once was like this, mega rock star who you know was 
was said in the same word as Kurt Cobain, you know, and and that was how he died. So it's pretty, it's pretty sad, pretty pretty sad end to a to a very troubled life. And original bass player Mike Starr had um, said that he believed he was the last person to have seen Staley alive. That he had like gone over and visited him, and he was like, you know, I felt like something was really wrong, but I was also you know all high as well, and you know didn't really think you know too much of it to you know check up on the guy after I had you know, last left. Um, so Mike Starr, that original bass player, also ended up succumbing to his addiction years later. But it seems, you know, at this point, Alice in Chains is done. You know, their lead singer is gone. Um, Cantrell releases another solo record called Degradation Trip that is basically entirely about, it's dedicated to and entirely about Lane Staley. It's it's a dark album, but definitely worth a, a listen um, and also during that tour, um, Cantrell plays What the Hell of I quite a bit. I mean, he plays other Alice in Chains tracks, but it's just interesting that he, you know, chooses this one. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but I just want to mention that, um, as you as you might well know, Alice in Chains ends up reforming. They uh, get a new lead singer, William Duvall, who actually was in Cantrell's toured with Cantrell for his his solo stuff for that degradation trip tour. Um, so it wasn't too much of a stretch to kind of imagine him in the band. They come out with an album in 2009, Black Gives Way to Blue. So that album retains that Alice in Chains sound um, that's pretty easy to hear. And though William Duvall doesn't sound exactly like Lane Staley, it, it's kind of in... in Eerie, eerie yeah. similarity yeah. Um, without, you know, really trying to, to sing that way. Um, and you can really hear that on songs like Check My Brain and uh, A Looking in View. So now that the band's back together, um, they have since consistently recorded new material and gone out on tour. So in 2013, they released the album The Devil Put Dinosaurs Here, um, toured behind that for a while, and then in 2018, released their latest album, Rainier Fog, which we were talking about before, and we both really recommend it, even if you're like hesitant, you know, if you're one of those people who's like, oh, I don't want to like listen to like the new Alice in Chains, um, you know, these albums are are really good, and I think even though they might not be as as good as the Lane Staley era of Alice in Chains, um, I feel like they still really, really hold up well. Um, and it's really interesting to think about that, um, not counting kind of the EPs and other things, that this new Alice in Chains had, has three albums, and that's as many as the original band um, ended up releasing over the course of their uh, career. Um, but we're going to jump back and get back to um, that era of... Um, 1993 in between dirt and jar of flies and talk a little bit more about what the hell have I and uh, what was going on in the band at this time. We hope you're enjoying this episode of skipped on shuffle right about now in most podcasts, you'd be hearing an ad for something. Uh, but we are trying to keep skipped on shuffle ad free. And the way we're going to be able to do that is through Patreon. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash skipped on shuffle. 
Any donations go to support the costs associated with running this podcast. As Jason mentioned earlier, What the Hell Have I was actually written during the uh, the recording sessions for Dirt, uh, which is Alice in Chains' most popular and most successful album. Uh, and, and What the Hell Have I, it, I mean, obviously we both think that this is an amazing song. Uh, that's why we picked it for Skip Down Shuffle. But uh, not only is it an amazing song, but it's an amazing song that was written during a time that they were writing other amazing songs. And this song just wasn't amazing enough. Like that's how amazing Dirt is. And that's why Dirt is such a popular and and and, and successful record and uh, why people you know are going to decades from now come back to that record and and find it and listen to it and and fall in love with it and and it's going to inspire bands for for generations to come uh but but yeah that's that's how good dirt was they were like we we've written too many great songs we have to throw this hit that we'll save for somewhere else (laughs) because it was just too good um yeah but in a lot of ways what the hell have i is is kind of like a it, it, it's it's almost like a microcosm of of what Allison Chain sounds like. I mean, when you listen to What the Hell Have I, it's got that it's got that that very iconic guitar riff. It's got the 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 big drums, the big sound. It's got that those those layered harmonies between Lane and Jerry that are you know beautiful and menacing and dark and weird, but also you know so harmonious and technically proficient at the same time. And uh, you know it it's got that sludge. It's got that dark depressing lyrical content i mean this this is like if someone was like what what is alice in chains like as jason mentioned like they're kind of dance between being like this heavy metal band and being this like kind of acoustic-y folk rock band but really like i feel like this would be a good maybe not the song that i would play for somebody if they asked like what does alice in chains sound like but it would certainly be one of those songs that i feel like best represents what this band actually sounds like yeah, it's a good bridge between those two sides of Alice in Chains where, um, you know, it's not so heavy that you you feel like it's necessarily could qualify as a metal song. Um, and, and I like the fact that you can hear a lot of that guitar work. There's like, an, um, you know, an electric sitar guitar thing going on in the background. Um, I mean, you can you can hear, you know, Sean Kinney like softly playing on cymbals and doing these little percussion things in the background. Um, and, and Jerry Cantrell kind of like the, 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 he just kind of has this distinct way of layering guitars where it's like, there's, there's a couple different guitars going on, you know, one's kind of picking in the background, one's kind of playing chords. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like it's that kind of stuff that makes this like such an iconic song and probably a lot, a lot of the reason why they wanted to kind of revisit and re, um, you know, repackage the song in kind of a way to make sure um, Owls and Chains fans were, were getting it when they did the box set and, and making sure that they were hearing it um, the way that they felt like it, it should be heard. As we mentioned earlier, this song came out in a time period where the band was starting to uh, did degrade to a certain point where uh we now know they would be unable to tour in in the future uh so this the band is still able to tour at this point in time but but you know the darkness is creeping in they know that 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 you know 
something is rotten in the state of Denmark. Things are not going well. Uh, you know, Lane is is going off the deep end. Uh, you know, they 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 lose their bass player, uh, the original bass player, Mike Starr, and, uh, and so it's interesting to to think about that happening and the lyrical content of the song itself. Uh, obviously, the song was written in the dirt. You know, the in the time period where where dirt was was being written, um, but is uh, strangely appropriate for what is going on with the band at this point in time in this song which jerry wrote um he's he's talking to to lane very specifically um he's he's said this before in in interviews about the song and i think the fact that later on when he um as i mentioned he puts out that solo album dedicated to lane he kind of brings the song back um i think as like a way of you know tying that into you know the the story he tries to tell with his um, solo record, but this is really Jerry talking to Lane, um, and and you can just get that in terms of you know saying distance between us grows, feeding lies, because um, it's already at this time where um, Lane's drug addiction is becoming a problem for the band. Like this is you know when when your lead singer can't you know keep it together on stage and get out on tour and be ready to sing um, or have an easy time in the studio, like sitting down writing things. Like these are. Clearly, clearly, that's going to kill your band. Um, so he's talking to, to to Lane and saying, you know, it's hard to start things over. Um, you know, we 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 can't do this without you. I mean, later on they would find out they could. Um, but saying, you know, you can feel the fire all around us all the time. It's that you know creeping pressure coming in um, where you know we 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 can't keep this up. We like need to make some changes or or do something. Um, because the, the, the relationships in this band, um, you know, are, are important and they're starting to fray and, uh, you know, there, there's, I'm sure pressure commercially, um, and critically where, you know, we've just come out with, you know, a, a, a huge album and we, we, you know, don't know where we're going from here. And, you know, the, the world is our oyster kind of thing. Like this is, you know, our moment. We're like huge right now. We're, you know, out on tour, uh, behind this album that has, you know, like five big singles from it. And we, we need to like keep this momentum going. I think I think that the the second verse in particular is 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 especially uh, especially illuminates what what's what's going on in, in Jerry's head when he's writing the song and how he's directing it towards Lane. Uh, so the second verse is something I should say. It takes you every day. What you give is not alive today. Your soul served on a plate. Throw it away. So I mean it, it's it's very clear like especially with the line it takes you every day and what you give is not alive I I I mean he's very I think that's very clear that it's like you know you are taking forever to like just get like basic stuff done because you're so messed up all the time and when you do deliver you're not really delivering at your true potential because you know he's just laying at the time which is so messed up and uh, 
you know, it's interesting to think that that this is a song that Jerry's written and Lane is singing it. You know, like mm, like that's yeah. that to me is what makes Alice in Chains a very interesting group is the fact that, you know, like and this is not I mean, obviously this is skipped on shuffle so we're talking mostly about what the hell have I, but this is you know, this is not even by far the only song that Jerry writes about Lane and Lane sings. And it's it's interesting. Like I, I wonder. It, it makes me think. Like, what would it be like? You know, to be in the studio. You know, with these two amazing, amazing musical talents. And Jerry, like, saying, like, okay, like this is the song. It's called "What the Hell Have I?" And these are the lyrics. Like, this is what you're gonna sing. These are the parts. You know, whatever. And Lane, like, what does Lane think? Like, is Lane is Lane so far gone that he doesn't even understand that the song is about how fucked up he is? Or is it like is is Lane like you know because. Is, is Lane self-aware enough to be like, yeah, like, I know that this is about me and I'm going to sing it with as best, you know, the, the most amount of passion that I can possibly muster because this is true. Like, yes, I am totally messed up because like you said earlier in the episode, like, like this is, this is a very, very self-aware band that writes about being in a band and writes about their personal relationships between the mem- the members of the band. And uh, so, yeah, I, I often wonder when I listen to Alice in Chains, not even particularly this song, but, you know, any song, like how, how did that self-awareness manifest in the interpersonal band relationships? Mm. Yeah, because it's weird to think of when you say Alice in Chains is a band that writes songs about relationships. Yeah, like you 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 don't think of it in the same. It's not in it's not in the 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 same way as you know they 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 have their breakup song with like Over Now or or something like that. You know they they do have those, but yeah, a lot of these songs are about a lot of tension and anger and and bitterness between yeah members of the band, and it's interesting to think about yeah Jerry so bluntly you know, putting it out there. And, um, it's funny. We don't hear the song title until the very end, um, where he asks the question, what the hell have I? And the answer is little pride, which Damn. is, yeah, like that's pretty which, cutting, yeah. you know, like, like that's like, that's hard. Like, like, you know, it, it reminds me of like, you know, like, like the interpersonal drama between like the members of Fleetwood Mac or, or, or even the, the, the big drama between the uh, band members of No Doubt when, um, when uh, Tony Canal and Gwen Stefani broke up at the height of the band's, you know, that the band was just getting to be huge. And then the band broke up, you know, the, the interpersonal problems. And then, and then these songs written about that relationship ending. So it's like, it's like it, to me, it must be so bizarre to go out on a stage or to go into a studio and sing a song that's very critical and and almost like damning about yourself, you know, like written by somebody else. Like that's gotta be that's gotta be tricky. Like it, you know, it'd be one thing if you like, you know, if 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 you like, you know, like I wrote a love song for somebody and then that person came in and like sang that love song that I wrote about them, you know, to me. Like I, you know, okay, we're we're in love and we're writing a love song. You know, like, but like to write a song that's like this, you know, like like you said, like what the hell have I, little pride, like bam, like that's to me that's really interesting. And that that tension, you know between the band members really created this 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 very interesting deep dark sound and and it's so honest and real like i feel like that's one of the things about alice in chains that kind of makes the band so appealing for for you and me and lots of other people obviously is uh, is just how genuine they they really are
don't remember the very first day that I, you know, that I heard Alice in Chains for the first time. Like, I don't remember that specific day or anything, but I feel like I do remember the feeling I had the first time I heard Alice in Chains. And I, I, I imagine it must've been the same feeling that somebody had when they first heard like Black Sabbath for the first time, you know, like this, this dark, dark music that was so heavy and so not just loud, but like thick, you know, like dense, heavy, sludgy, dark music. And uh, the first time I heard Alice in Chains, I was like, whoa, you know, I, I, I had never heard anything like that before. And, uh, and I feel like that, uh, that was like a seminal moment in a, in a lot of ways for me, you know, like, you know, being able to hear that kind of music, you know, in my generation, you know, like I'd heard Black Sabbath up until that point and I'd heard like some, you know, like darker, heavier bands from the early, you know, like from the seventies and, and, and whatnot. Um, but, but nothing like this. And, and I think that, that, uh, that association that I have with, with Alice in Chains, I, I find myself coming back to their records, especially obviously Dirt, and listening to it and just being like, damn, like this band is heavy, you know? And 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 I, I often say this, uh, you know, I often, when I'm talking with musician friends of mine, we talk about like loud music and metal music and, and whatever, because I'm not really a big like metal fan. Um, I often talk about how like there's a line, a very gray line in between like metal that is, you know, dark and serious and heavy. And, and there's a gray line where it crosses over into being so ridiculous and so dark and so heavy that it becomes like almost like comedy, you know, and, uh, and Alice in Chains, you know, is not like on that gray line, but they're definitively in the serious, dark, metally music you know and uh and i love it i think it's so cool and i i think it's so cool that they that they you know can create this honest uh you know dark music in such a, a technically proficient way you know this is not a band that, you know, this is not nirvana this is not like we're a sloppy pile of musicians and we're all fucked up and we're just gonna play some some songs and here you go like this is like technical technical proficiency uh a, 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 an, an, an amazing grasp of, of melody and, and harmony. And it's just, it's like this beautiful, beautiful, dark pit. <laughs> like that, like, I guess that, that would be, that would be like the tagline. If Allison changes a movie and that would be the tagline, a beautiful, beautiful, dark pit. I think that's, that's perfect. <laughs> and I, I remember hearing that for the first time as a kid and just being like blown away by it. And still to this day, I, you know, I, I pop on dirt or even some of the, you know, like we were talking about it towards the beginning of the episode with, with even some of the newer stuff, like their, their most recent album, Rainier Fog. Like, I'm just like, wow, like this, this band, and just they just have that sound and it's just so incredible i think the thing with alice and chains for me um is this is another band that really inspired me to play guitar um especially you know the it, it gives you your acoustic stuff it gives you your you know heavy metal stuff and when you're first trying to play guitar and you're not really sure what you like want to sound like or, or what you want to do um this band kind of gave you options and and i feel like especially when the unplugged album came out i think just as a kid like trying to learn you know those songs when i you know first got guitar that was like the the kind of stuff i was like gravitating towards um and and the other part i think of why i love alice in chains is this is a band where each 
album or EP or whatever they put out, um, you just get lost in. And I think that kind of relates to your, your pit thing, where it's just like you, you dig in and you shouldn't, you shouldn't just pick one or two songs here or there. You should just really put on the beginning of the album and just listen to it from you know beginning to end. And the big one for me for for doing that is their their self titled album that they came out in, with in '95, um, where things were you know really falling apart at that point. And the album you can just feel it. And I think that's part of what makes Alice in Chains so great is that, you know, in, in guitar bends or certain riffs or the way they're singing things like you, you feel how, how they're feeling. Um, and it's just a way that it, it comes across and resonates in, in a way that doesn't work with a lot of other bands. Like, you know, you'll, you'll hear, a you know, a breakup song or, or, you know, a song about somebody, you know, angry at somebody. Um, but I mean this, you feel it in every way, shape or form. You feel it in the drums, you feel it in the bass, you feel it with the guitars, you feel it with the vocals. Um, I think, and that comes across in a way that doesn't, um, that, that some bands aren't able to do and, uh, they're able to do it in, um, you know, ways that are, are heavier and in a more metal fashion. And then they're able to do it in really, you know, delicate ways. Like I, you know, mentioned like jar of flies where it's, you know, at, at times it's really delicate album and in a song like, you know, nutshell where, um, you can definitely hear just lane kind of aware of, you know, I'm, I, I have this addiction and this problem and, um, just how honestly he's able to talk about it. And, um, I think it, it, it hits you in a way when you realize, well, there's a lot more than just the awareness about it. It's being able to, to, you know, pull yourself out of it or have someone, you know, help you pull, pull out of it. Um, and, and so I, I think especially kind of knowing how things ended up with Alice in Chains, like knowing that now it, it almost becomes even more powerful, um, especially that older material. And I think, um, it also, makes the newer material mean a lot more where here's a band that must be, you know, must have been and still is devastated and, and grief stricken for, you know, losing, you know, this guy that, you know, you, you had, you know, known for a long time before you were, you know, even famous and were, you know, buddies with and kind of seeing that person, you know, disintegrate in front of you. Um, and, and then being and, reminded and, about and, it and being, every day. Yeah. And yeah. Every, every time you sing the song and every yeah. time you, you do anything, it's like still with you. Um, so I, I think that's part of why Allison Chains um, is, is such a great band. And, and they're just so haunting, I think is kind of the, that's a good the, word. the they, yeah. Like you can just hear it in every song where, you know, they're just haunted by, you know, something and struggling to deal with it every day. And, you know, they're thankfully for, you know, most of the members of the band, they're able to to pick up and, you know, move on from that and kind of use that to to keep um, making music. But I mean, it, it any basically any Alice in Chains song that that you throw on, you can just, you know, feel that honesty and, and feel that darkness um and and i like that this is a band that doesn't feel the way the the need to to shy away from it or really glorify it in any way it's just kind of just here's here's where we are here's the things we're dealing with and you know the darkness is a part of life and you know we just kind of have to get through it and here we are you know channeling it in the best way we can which is you know making this this beautiful music Thank you for listening to this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. 
Be sure to visit our webpage at skippedonshuffle.com where we have a blog and links to our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also a YouTube page where we perform the songs that we discuss in these episodes. We are trying our best to keep Skipped on Shuffle a ad-free podcast. So if you are interested in helping to support that, please visit our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash skipped on shuffle. Any donations that come there could go straight to keeping uh, Skipped on Shuffle a ad-free experience and go straight to paying for the various costs that are associated with running this podcast.